welcome to the Data Rockstars Coffee Pod with me, Kelly Peters. And me, Regina Lally. We're back together this week chatting about what's happening in the world of data and data protection. And this week we've found quite a number of news stories from around the world. So it's a bit of a global data protection roundup. So Kelly, do you want to kick off with um, one that's closer to home in the UK and uh, Muscle Foods? Absolutely. So for anyone that knows, Muscle Foods is a UK-based uh, company that produces protein, high-protein-based meat products and they have been very popular over the last couple of years. And they were recently fined by the Information Commissioner's Office for violations with the Privacy Electronic Communications Regulation. So they had 11 complaints. And you think, oh, 11 complaints is not too bad. But they sent 135 million that's right, 135 wow. million marketing messages to their customers. And they sent 6 million SMS messages in a six month window. So it's a very short period of time, a very significant amount of marketing messages. And the complaints that the commissioner got in October 2019 was, I have tried to unsubscribe numerous times from these marketing messages and it's not mm. happening. And others were, I don't remember signing up to this. So okay. the information commissioner wrote to Muscle Foods and said, we've um, had a number of complaints and listed the complaints. Can you explain to us how you obtain marketing consent? Now, the reason I talked about PECA is because it's business to consumer. So the customer is selling directly to an individual. They have to abide by the Privacy Electronic Communications Regulation. And for direct marketing, they have to absolutely get consent. It's opt-in. There is no real argument around that. However, Muscle Food came back and said, because they are a customer they've bought from us they are going to apply what is referred to as a soft opt-in which allows you where you've got an existing relationship to be able to market to existing customers the ICO came back and said well actually you never really obtained official consent because in the order process where you select your product you're adding them to the basket you talk about your terms and conditions you talk about a privacy policy but at no point in time do you give people options to opt in to email marketing, to opt in to uh, SMS messaging. And because they are not yet a customer, you can't apply the soft opt-in. Okay. So it's before. So the action is this is their process. And they showed all these screenshots. And the commissioner's argument was very strongly, you do not have valid consent to send to these. And you had a customer services portal, which allowed you to manage marketing preferences. But the language that they used didn't really give individuals the correct understanding that that is what that portal was for it wasn't right. update your email marketing preferences so it was very misleading so not surprisingly there had been representations from the legal team at muscle food that uh, argued profusely that they were obtaining consent and the commissioner came back and said no we've looked at all your screens we've looked at your order process and it simply isn't clear what you're giving people the option to and at no point do you really give people the option to opt out so that's a no-no and so they've been fined £50,000 uh, and they have to pay that by the 1st of April of this year if they pay it early they can get a reduction to £40,000 the reason I wanted to talk about this today it was it took 11 complaints that's all it was 11 complaints mm. out of 135 million so it's not a large number of complaints but the commissioner felt that it was a consistent complaint the team the marketing team the PECA team ICO have been religious with finding people recently. So for anyone that's listening, really make sure you understand who it is you're trying to engage. Is it business to business or business to consumer? And if it's business to consumer, absolutely make sure you understand what direct marketing means and what actual consent means. Because if mm. you can't demonstrate that, then 
and you get complaints, the commissioner may come and look at you. And £50,000 for a small business, I don't know what their turnover is at Muscle Food, but it's a lot of money. And obviously, yeah. it's now gone over the news. I saw it on LinkedIn. You know, the impact on trust and reputation may be, well, I'm not sure I actually want to buy from product. I mean, I'm a vegetarian, so I'm unlikely to buy from Muscle <laughs> yeah. Foods anyway. But, you know, it puts you off. So I really wanted to have the conversation say, really? Yeah. And I think it's kind of something people have, after that initial panic of, oh, my God, we've got to get consent for everything. They've then gone in the other direction. Gone, oh, there's this thing called legitimate interests. And if we use that, that takes away the need to ask people and get consent. And we'll just use that instead. And they've not really gone through the process of understanding if it's appropriate, which one they should use, and then getting it properly. And it's driven by that overwhelming need to have big databases and be sending messages to everybody rather than thinking about how can we genuinely engage with people who want to engage with us so it's I think it's an important lesson to learn absolutely and I know that you said to me this week that you saw something really a good way of being able to get consent to be able to communicate which you wanted to talk about so tell us yeah, about it so I spotted this from a colleague in my network Peter Moles he runs a really friendly networking group called Networking In at the moment they're networking in the cloud because we're all virtual and brilliant podcast producer Julia goes to that one uh, every couple of weeks now Peter has been networking in and around Oxfordshire for years and probably beyond into Berkshire and surrounding counties so he put a post up that said if he's ever met you he's probably still got hold of your business card and you know he's made those connections over time through various different careers and roles and that he wants to be able to communicate with those people but he wants to do it in a way that is respectful and so he's like I don't want to just invite you to this new networking group so his group's been going I think about just over a year 18 months and instead of saying brilliant I've got all this data that I can just like blanket market to people because I've met them once and I'll, I'll use legitimate interests what he's done is put out a really nice friendly open post on LinkedIn that says I'm running this networking group this is what it's all about this is how we operate I'd really like to invite you but only if you give me your permission if you'd like to be invited to the group pop a comment below say yes and I'll, I'll send you an invite it's like, but he's not assumed that because he's picked up data from his other roles that he can use it however he wants and I thought it was a really nice friendly open message it was really clear about what he wanted to do and invited people who've connected with him on LinkedIn to give their permission to be invited networking group and it wasn't all legal it wasn't all data protection heavy it was just a nice would you like this if so please pop your comment below awesome it's really great to see that so well done Peter so that's always nice to have a positive before we go absolutely into more, <laughs> more drama yeah so you spotted a number of other I did. less less positive and maybe more naughty stories that you wanted to give a quick roundup of part of the as part of the podcast this week so what naughty debt protection devils caught your eye I know so both of these are American com uh, violations that have taken place in America so we have previously talked about TikTok and our belief that they don't necessarily take privacy as seriously as I would like them to take it seriously. And there was a, a news article this week that said that TikTok had been fined at $92 million. And I was just like, well, that's that's really interesting. Why is that? And, that, and this is at a state level. So this is not because the US does not have a, a federal data protection law. It's state-based. And essentially, they were found to have been using people's information to specifically target them with 
with ads and to sell that data uh, on. And what was interesting is that the privacy policy never told them that this was happening at all. And that more than that, they were uh, transferring American citizen data outside of the US and going to China. Again, it wasn't clear that this transfer was going on. So the state, and I think it was the state of Illinois, was like, nope, we're, we're not happy with that. A cl- This was a class action. Wow. Um, yeah. And in America, their class action is a very big and very real risk that organizations face. Uh, so yeah, so TikTok made the statement that they did not want to argue this in the courts and they were prepared to pay the class action. Read into that whatever you like. But for me, the interesting thing was a violation. This is not the first time it's happened. They were had a contentious issue with children's data last year. So it just, it really interested me as a, as a story. And I think there might be more to come because there are other actions that are being taken against TikTok. So it's one to watch and I think it's one we'll probably talk about again in 2021 as I think we're probably going to be talking about class actions a lot more Um, yeah it was interesting to me that they settled uh they claimed that they weren't they didn't admit guilt or and they contested the allegations so they contested the allegations and I think it seems that they're more willing to pay and make changes rather than actually think about how do they do things properly it just looks like because there was a number of different suits from what I could see and they they seem to have a sort of track record of paying the settlement when these class actions come rather than actually trying to think about how they do things properly and i think i saw that it was some you know included things like facial recognition to identify individuals so you know some shady practices i'm I'm not on tiktok don't intend to go on it uh, what were the other ones that you you caught so the other one that interested me and it's interesting because i've been a little bit passionate about passwords for a very long time even so that we have our own little sticker book that says post-it notes are not for passwords now Thankfully, this is not about post-it notes, but it is about poor passwords. So SolarWinds are, again, a US-based company who essentially um, have massive contracts with the Department of Defense and lots of other really large organizations, government-based organizations in the US. Now, they were subject to a significant cyber attack, and it come to light that this was down to poor password management. So the password was, bear in mind, please, no shock on all too much, SolarWinds123. Oh, man. Yeah. And I was like, that's amazing. That can't be. You can't be that type of company and have a system admin password that is that bad. What was made worse was apparently this password was posted into online forum. Hackers mm. obtained access to it. Not surprisingly, SolarWinds are going to be a company that is going to be targeted by hackers and it was used. Wow. I think what really grated at me was they blamed an intern. That's this- harsh. It is harsh. It was they violated our password policy uh, and they created SolarWinds123. My argument is, okay, why did it take you two years to find this out? And two, if they're an intern, why are you not checking their work? You know, what's your password policy? What are you doing to check this? But And this was in front of a select committee in the US. So they have, they've not named the intern, but you've still thrown the intern under the proverbial bus Mm. for really poor password management. And I find that atrocious because at at a management level, 
you are responsible for setting the tone, making sure that people understand what they do and that you catch this. So yeah, I was just really, uh, really offended <laughs> by it as a story. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's around the training as well. What have you done to support that intern? You know, they're potentially in their first role, you know, if they haven't ever been taught about appropriate passwords, which let's face it, most of the population don't have appropriate passwords, you know, that's going to transfer into their work life. So in something where it's that key, one of the first things they should be doing is pushing home the key security measures that they need to secure their domains and throwing them under the bus is properly well it's out of order I agree I think you know you, you have to take responsibility for the people and demonstrate the company you've done what you can if they then contravene it then you know but you're right you know people should be checking that work and it shouldn't take them two years to find out that's appalling so yeah that was my fun stories for today proper little rants there around uh, the different stories that have caught your attention so yeah, yeah. I think it, it's interesting that you know, there are instances all around the world of poor data protection, but I think it's also nice to flavour that occasionally with the good stories that we see, and we do see some good ones. Yeah. And I think generally that a lot of people and organisations have a good wish to want to treat data well, but there are those out there who want to exploit it and, you know, it use it in ways that they shouldn't, and they do get it massively wrong because they're trying to circumvent the rules instead of using what they've got in a way that builds trust with their people, their stakeholders, and that's that's the most important thing because everybody knows about data protection now, particularly in Europe. You know, people are aware of what their rights are. They're aware of how they can challenge. And I think, you know, that came to light in the stories that we've talked about in the last few weeks as well. And I think people are more willing to make those complaints where they haven't been in the past. Absolutely. And clearly, I think it's something that we could talk about for a significantly longer amount of time. But we are out of time uh, for this week's podcast. So thank you for joining me in my rant and highlighting good practice uh regina and uh we're back next week if you have any questions you know send them to the coffee at dbxuk.com or if you have new stories you want us to chew the fat over you know send them across to us but uh, thank you for listening and uh, regina thank you for joining us thanks very much